Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. What causes you to like certain people? Don't dig too deep. Let's keep this surface level. When you go out in public, what makes you like someone? If you go to Ingalls and the cashier is friendly, striking up a conversation, you leave thinking, I'm happy with that cashier. If you are about to enter a building and someone stops to hold the door for you, you can't help but smile and think, wow, they're a really good person. You take your car in for an oil change and right before you're about to pay, the employee says, we have a coupon for oil changes today. Let me show you where to find it. People gain our favor based on outward actions. We've created the standard that if someone shows us kindness, they warrant our approval. But God's standard is different. God does not look at the external, but God looks at the heart. And what we see in our three scripture lessons for today is that when God looks at the heart, he is well pleased with his anointed one. He was well pleased with Jesus at his baptism. He is well pleased with you at your baptism. Samuel is making his way to Bethlehem. As he travels the rocky, treacherous roads, I imagine he flashes back to the last time he anointed a king. He pictures a man dripping with oil, a head taller than all the others. His name was Saul. He flashes back and thinks about this king, the one who was chosen to lead God's people. He remembers how this king didn't turn out, how he led God's people astray, how he caused heartache and pain, and how the Lord removed his favor from him. But Samuel can't dwell on this for too long. He has to snap out of it because the Lord calls him into action. Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go to the house of Jesse to anoint a king. Fill your what with what? A horn with oil? Now, this wasn't some Valvoline high mileage. It was a, a freshly pressed olive oil that had a hint of cinnamon. It was a, a special oil used to anoint kings, to set them apart and prepare them for their office. So Samuel comes with his horn of oil, and he finally arrives at the house of Jesse. When he walks through the door, he sees the one, the one who, who must be the king. He's tall, impressive, kingly looking, and Samuel says, surely, this must be the Lord's anointed one. And as he goes, ready to uncork his horn of oil, the Lord speaks. He says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The king won't be Eliab or any of the sons who are gathered there. It's going to be the little one, the youngest son, David. It's funny that when Samuel comes and tells 
Jesse. I'm going to anoint one of your sons to be king. Jesse doesn't even think of David. He doesn't even think about his youngest son who's off tending sheep. Off tending sheep, but the Lord had chosen David. The Lord does not look at the external, but the Lord looks at the heart. So did God choose David because of his heart? Yes. But who made David's heart clean? Well, take it from David himself. As he speaks in the Psalms, talking to God, saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God choosing David was an act that was 100% his grace. 100% undeserved. God was promising to be faithful to David. In this seemingly simple pouring out of oil, God was doing something. The Holy Spirit came on David in power, giving him strength to rule his future people, wisdom and zeal to follow the law of the Lord. God was well pleased with his anointed one. But what was anointing? Well, whenever we see anointing in the Bible, God is doing something big. When God anoints, he reveals. God individually anointed prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament. And when he did so, he would reveal his favor. The people... While they looked up to these anointed ones, they were always looking ahead for the anointed one. The prophet, the priest, the king. And come to find out a couple of centuries later, this is exactly what the people are thinking. As they stand around the Jordan River looking at John the Baptist, they wonder in their hearts, could this be the one? You remember John, right? He had the grunge look before grunge was cool. He wore camel hair garments. He ate locusts and wild honey. He looked like a prophet. But that's not what drew the people to him. It was his preaching. John spoke with the power of Elijah, calling people to repentance. But he wasn't some crazy guy in a street corner going, Repent, the end is near. No. John was faithfully exposing the sin of his fellow Israelites, pointing them to a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John, well, he appeared to be the one. Nobody had heard someone speak like this before, but John quickly was rebuking the people, telling them, I am not the anointed one. But the one I am preparing for, he will be so mighty. I won't even be worthy to untie a strap from his sandals. I am not your anointed one. But the people, they continued to come to John. They continued to gather around the Jordan. And one day, as a crowd formed, there was someone named Jesus among them. He didn't stand out like John. His outward appearance didn't gain attention. He was a fairly unnoteworthy guy coming from unnoteworthy parents in a backwater place from a backwater place called Bethlehem. Nothing about his outward appearance 
drew attention. He wasn't some ripped guy with muscle on muscle. He didn't have long flowing dark hair and a killer jawline. No, scripture says no beauty or majesty would attract us to him. Nothing in his outward appearance would gain our attention. Jesus looked like any other Israelite. But you saw and heard what happened. As Jesus stepped into the waters of the Jordan, heaven opened. The skies were literally torn apart and the Holy Spirit appeared. He came down, dwelling on Jesus in a physical form like a dove. And then the Father spoke with his booming voice saying, You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. What's happening? Jesus' public ministry has begun. By the Holy Spirit dwelling and the Father proclaiming, a divine spotlight was being shown on the Son of God. It was showing that this is the prophet, the priest, the king. Jesus Christ is the anointed one. The anointed one was promised. He was the promised priest. The one who would come and tell all people that the way to the Father was solely through him. The anointed one was the promised priest. The one who would intercede for the people, who would make atonement for their sin with his own blood. The anointed one was the promised king whose eternal kingdom would be ruled with power, grace, and glory. But Jesus' public ministry wasn't just a list of titles. Something was happening at his baptism. Jesus didn't come to the waters for the forgiveness of sins. No, he was perfect. But what was happening was Jesus was connecting himself with sinners in the Jordan River. The sinless one does not separate himself, but becomes one with the sinner at this baptism. Come to think of it, the shadow of the cross falls across the Jordan River. Here's what I mean. At his baptism, Jesus was committing to take the place of sinners. He was promising to fill in, to give up his righteousness for all unrighteousness. God is well pleased with his anointed one. We've heard about Jesus. We've heard the words of the Father, with you I am well pleased, and we start to wonder, what about us? Where do we stand with God and with his favor? Well, we want God to speak those same words to us, with you I am well pleased. And true to our culture, we believe if we put our minds to it and, and work hard, we can gain God's approval. And we look to do so with outward actions. But you could hold a thousand doors for strangers. You could clip every Ingalls coupon and give it to the person behind you. You could donate all your time to visiting the sick and elderly. You could give up all your earthly possessions. You could step onto the never-ending treadmill of trying to do enough. You could create an image, an identity, where everyone would look at you and say, wow, this is a good person. But their standards and their approval are worthless. 
Because no matter how good the world may perceive that we are, they cannot perceive the thoughts in our minds and the desires of our hearts. Only God knows what our eyes have looked at, what our hands have reached for, where our minds have gone to in private. We could never earn God's favor. That is why we need God to operate by coming to us, by giving us his approval and doing so in a way that's 100% undeserved, 100% his grace, 100% his doing, and that is exactly what we find. God gives us his approval in anointing. Vicar, I hate to break it to you, but I haven't had any olive oil spread on my head, and if you offered, I'd probably say no. Well, that's not your anointing. It wasn't a a prophet holding a horn filled with oil, but it was a pastor with a small dish of water. It wasn't the, the sky being torn open, the Holy Spirit coming down as a dove, the voice of the Father booming, but it was some water and then it words, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Your anointing was your baptism. And in this seemingly small, simple sacrament, something big was happening. The triune God was present. At your baptism, the Father was there proclaiming his love for you, that never would he leave you, never would he forsake you. He was well pleased with you. At your baptism, the Son was there connecting you to his work. All the righteousness that he had gained by perfectly fulfilling the will of his Father, by going to the cross, by paying for sin, all of that was given to you at your baptism. At your baptism, the Holy Spirit was there, working something in you that wasn't there before. The Holy Spirit worked faith in your heart, which would receive all the blessings of baptism. God was doing something big at your baptism. At our baptism, God saved us. Remember what the Apostle Paul says. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. What a freeing thought as God takes us by the hand and leads us off the never-ending treadmill of trying to do enough. We are saved not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of the righteous things Christ has done for us. And he gives those to us at our baptism. When Jesus walked into the waters of the Jordan, committing to take the place of sinners, as he gave this visual sign for the Israelites to see, you were included. Jesus comes to save. It's built into his name. Jesus, he saves Christ, the anointed one. The anointed one comes to save. He comes to save you. But the devil loves to torment God's anointed ones, bringing up past sins and plaguing us with guilt. How can God love you 
when you fall into that same sin over and over again. He loves to whisper in our ear, you're sure that God saves you with all the messed up stuff that lingers in your mind? When Satan tries to burden us with guilt, when he tries to make sins appear and make us feel guilty, you look him right in the eyes and you say, but I am baptized. And that means something. When a previous sin flashes back and we're filled with angst and anxiety that God is going to come and give us what we deserve, but I am baptized. When we're unsure if God loves us, where we, when we don't feel, I don't know, am I saved? But I am baptized. That means I am loved. I have been made clean. God has given me a new identity. I am a child of God. The waters of baptism only take a few moments to evaporate, but the blessings it leaves behind, well, they're eternal. On your forehead and on your heart, God wrote with spiritual ink his name. In doing so, he cleansed you, redeeming you from the sin you should have to pay for. Instead, he gave you a new identity. You are a redeemed child of God. You are anointed into the anointed one, baptized into Christ. And because of this, when God speaks to Jesus, when he says those words, with you I am well pleased, well, because of your baptism, God says to you, with you my son, with you my daughter, I am well pleased. Amen.